With it being a, um, a Super Bowl Sunday, I thought, you know, um, we've been talking about making room for life over the last few weeks, and I've really enjoyed that series, and we're actually going to continue on with that next week, but I want us to kind of just take a time out here and take a break, and I really just tie this morning's theme around just this whole idea of football. I know you guys have probably already made plans tonight to, to meet up with friends or relatives, sit down in front of a large screen TV. How many of you guys are um, looking forward to the game? Any of you looking forward to watching the game? Yeah, all right. Some hands went up there. How many guys looking forward to watching the commercials? Any? Yeah, yeah, but actually more hands, I think, for the commercials there than the game. Um, anyone looking forward to the halftime show? I don't even know if I know who's in the halftime. Who's in the halftime show? This? That's what I heard. So, oh, Bruno Mars, that's what I heard, and I knew that. Yeah, Bruno Mars, woohoo! That'll be exciting. So, um, so we thought we'd take a little break from making room for life. And if you're visiting here this morning, we're thrilled that you're here. And like I said, we're just uh, doing things a little different here this morning. But um, obviously with the Super Bowl going on, that's a good kind of hook for what we're talking about. But I did want to speak about something that uh, I feel ties in with that, but ties in with the real core value of what we have here at Connect Church. So just to lead up to that, I want to talk about... Um, Something here, and I need your help to see if you can help me, because the truth is that if any one of those players on those teams was, was here this morning walking around, you may not know who they were. You may not recognize them at all. Now, you may guess straight away that they are an NFL football player just because they're sitting in three seats, but, um, but you may not particularly recognize who they are. But as soon as they get that uniform on, as soon as you see that number and that name on their back, they are identifiable straight away. That's what sets them apart. That's what identifies them is their uniform, their helmets. And, and yeah, there's the Peyton Mannings and some guys like that, you know, who are a lot more kind of celebrity football players that you would recognize from interviews on TV. But a lot of those football players you wouldn't know unless they had their uniform on. And the uniform is, is basically what defines them as a person. So we're going to have a little competition here, see if you know who wears what uniform. So take a look at this first um, slide up here. Who would wear, which team would wear that uniform? Dar Bears is what I heard, actually, to be exact, and that is absolutely right. So, how about this next slide right here? Broncos. Broncos, that's right. They are playing tonight. They are one of the two teams, apparently, that are playing in the Super Bowl. So, the Broncos, are they going to win? Yeah. Are the Seahawks going to win? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a divided audience here, but uh, some are quite passionate about it. So, um, what about this one? I think this team's quite popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew I'd get in trouble for showing that one. What about this one? Yeah, I've never heard of them. Do they, they play every week? Are they like... <laughs> Seriously, I was going through these helmets getting this ready. I'm like, who's that? I had to Google it to figure it out. So, yeah, apparently they're really uh, big as well. So, the, um, the uniform that each player wears... It, I, and I apologize if you're a Houston Texans fan. Houston Texans fan, please come back again. I, uh, <laughs> or if you're from Texas. But um, we, um, those uniforms, they define you. They define the players. And just in the same way, if you're here this morning... And you've made a decision to be a Christ follower, and many have. Many of the folks that are here this morning that make up Connect Church, they've, kind of, they've made that decision. They said, I want to follow Jesus. I want my life to be different. And, and when they made that decision, whether it was as a young age or even just recently, they basically they put on a new uniform. 
They said, as a Christ follower, I'm going to wear this uniform because I want to be set apart. I want to be identified by who I am. I want people to see me and see something different about me, and it will identify who I am. And just like the uniforms there with the Broncos and the Bears, people should be able to see us and see, okay, there is something different about that. And because of that, the person, um, the way they behave, the way they interact, I can see that uniform they're wearing sets them up as a Christ follower. Listen to what, how it kind of explains it in one of my favorite verses here. Um, there's a, a passage in a book called Acts. Now, Acts is in the New Testament, and it comes right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Acts is kind of like following on. So Jesus has now, he's, he's died and he's risen again, and uh, the church is just beginning. So we've got the disciples here, and the church is just starting out here in the book of Acts. And Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' disciples, they've continued on his legacy. They're out, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're praying for people, they're seeing people get saved. And listen to what happens one day. They, they actually, they come across a guy who is, um, he's, a, he's a beggar, but he's also crippled, and they pray for him, and he's healed. And in this amazing story, they, they, they pray, and God heals this particular guy. And the religious leaders, they're furious, because they've just put Jesus to death for doing these kind of things, and now they find out that some of his followers are continuing on doing the same thing. So they're brought before, they're arrested, Peter and John, and they're brought before the religious leaders of the time. And as they stand before them, they kind of give an account of what happened. Listen to the description. It says, when they saw, and this is in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So when I ask the question this morning, if you're here and you, you call yourself a Christ follower... And I ask that question, are you wearing your uniform? Do you wear that uniform? I guess the way we could determine if the uniform we're wearing really is true is if we were to go to your family or your friends or your co-workers, would they say the same as they said of Peter and John? You know, I can tell that that person has spent time with Jesus. I can tell that Jesus has had an impact on that person's life. That's our uniform. That's what defines us as Christ followers. But what does that really mean to spend time? It says in the verse there, you know, they could tell they'd been with Jesus. What does that mean? Was it because they, they prayed a lot? I'm sure they did. Was it because they understood the scriptures? I, I'm sure they did too. Maybe it's because they knew they fasted. Maybe it's because they knew that they followed the Ten Commandments that we read about in the Bible. And I'm sure they did all of those. But this morning... As great as all those, just just for the sake of this message on the idea of uniforms, I want to just focus in on just a real simple concept. And I think our uniform as Christ followers could be summed up in these two words, and that is this, caring and sharing. Caring and sharing. Now, I know that sounds more like a Hallmark card than a really deep theological exposition on the life of a Christian, but really it's what Peter and John exemplified in their lives. And I think if we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, if we're going to wear that uniform, then really that should be something that clearly identifies us, that we are caring and sharing. So let me kind of break it down a bit. Let me show you how that plays out in the life of Peter and John. And then we'll come look at our lives and say, now, now, how can I do that in my life, day in, day out? How could I follow that example in my daily life? So when it came to caring... You can read a little bit before the verse we just read that kind of leads up to it. Listen to to what happens here with Peter and John. It says that Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. 
So basically, Peter and John are going to church, much like many of you did this morning. They, they left and they were headed to their particular church service. It says that as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now at this point, you've got to remember, this is Peter and John. They're, they're not there to, to help people. They're not there to look for people that might be in need. They were going to church. They were going to the temple. So they could very easily have just walked on by and said, you know, sorry, buddy, we're, we're, we're kind of on a crunch here. We've got to be somewhere. We're, we're on a mission. We've got to get to the temple. But here's where the, the idea of caring comes in. It says, Peter, looked, Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, hey, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly because he was expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. This is amazing. It says, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And I love this account of what happened that day. Because they made a choice that day. They made a choice to not just walk on by. They made a choice to not just ignore this person. And that's what I think the uniform of, of Jesus should look like on all of us. That's what it looked like on them. It was the idea of, you know, we, we, we feel compelled to help those that we can. And in this instance, they didn't just help by giving him money. They prayed for him and God healed him. It was amazing. And if you've been coming to, to Connect Church for a while, you'll know that from very on, we, early on, we've talked about this a lot, that as a church, we want to be um, known as a church that, that helps. Helps those that are in need, whether it's here in this community or outside of this area or across the United States, even across the world. And we've done several things just in the short life of our church that have exemplified that. We've, we've helped with a, um, a local um, organization here called uh, My Sister's House. We helped with uh, some fundraising for them. I know we sent shoeboxes around the world at Christmas time. And, and this was all before November 17th. From that point on as a church, we've really been, um, the, the, the challenge has risen because we've suddenly been exposed to all these brand new needs. And suddenly as a community, we've come across um, literally hundreds of people in need. And we've been so fortunate as a church for two reasons. Because number one, it was already in our DNA. We wanted to be a church that was known as a church that cares. And, and don't get me wrong, I think every church should be known as a church that cares. But, but we decided for early on, that's going to be a big part of, of who and what Connect Church is. So because that was already in our DNA, we were able to meet some of those needs. But God was so amazing because there were so many needs that we never could have met on our own. But I started getting calls from pastors and, and business people from all around Illinois, from all around the world. They said, hey, we saw this on TV. You know, some of them I knew, some of them I've never met before. They just called me up and said, hey, so-and-so passed your name along to me. You know, what's, what's the greatest need? And for a while, we, we got resources like mattresses. We were able to give a load of beds away to people. And we were given um, water and a lot of um, building supplies during that first week. But then after that, they were sending money. To the church. And so every time someone's come and they've said, hey, listen, can you help us here? We've been able to say, yeah, as a church, we can help the best we can. And we've done some great things to be able to help. And, and as a church, I'm looking around because I know that many of you have been a part of that. 
I know many of you, um, not just because you're a part of Connect Church, but because that's the uniform you wear. You've been helping your neighbours, you've been helping your friends, you've, you've become aware of needs. And, and whether it's carrying a box out of a basement that was all that was left of a home or dropping off a meal or whatever it is, I hear stories again and again and again of folks here at Connect Church who are caring. And I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think that exemplifies the uniform that we as Christ followers wear. I've got to be honest, Casey and I, we had a, uh, a fantastic opportunity. So in, in all the ways we've been able to help, and we really have as a church, we've, been, we've bought glasses for um, a teenager. We've bought some, some clothing. We've bought gifts at Christmas time. We even helped get a, a donation of a vehicle to a man who's, uh, who, who they lost their vehicle completely. They lived in Georgetown Apartments, and they, they lost everything, their um, property and their vehicles. But one of the highlights for us in this whole um, kind of ways to offer help after the, the tornado was, was just on Friday. A friend of ours who's a member here at Connect Church, she, uh, she was displaced. Her house wasn't destroyed, but it was pretty badly damaged. And uh, the, they went to work straight away, and they fixed the side, and they fixed the windows. And by Friday, they'd fixed up enough that she was able to move back home with her daughters. And Case and I, we got to be there helping her. And then we got to be there and do what we want to do many, many ti- more times as a church. We did a ribbon cutting. We prayed with them as a family. We prayed a blessing upon their new home. We were thrilled that they got to be back in their new home. And we just, we cut the orange ribbon with them. And we were like, we are excited for you that you get to be back in your new home. And I just loved it that we were able to do that. And and so many other ways as a church we've been able to show and uh, be an example of what it means to care for others. But the truth is this morning, and that's why I said before that it's the caring and sharing, is that caring is a great thing, and many people care, but not everyone is a Christ follower. I think everyone who is a Christ follower should live a life of caring for others. But just because someone cares doesn't necessarily mean they are a Christ follower. There are some great people out there that maybe don't follow Jesus, but still live a great life caring for others. So there's this second element that Peter and John um, demonstrated that day in their lives, and that's sharing. And we're going to take a look at that right now. And here's, here's what I mean by sharing. So you need to understand that when Peter and John were in front of these religious rulers, and when they were being told, you need to stop doing this, like we, you know, we, we killed Jesus, and if you don't you know, stop doing what you're doing, we're going to kill you too. There's a very strong likelihood that this, just a couple of years after Jesus' crucifixion, that Peter and John were stood in the exact same spot that Jesus would have been stood in. They would have seen their master, their, their friends, Jesus, standing in front of these same people. And because of, um, because of these leaders, they would have seen him be sentenced to, to crucifixion. And here, Peter and John find themselves in the exact same spot. And I've got to be honest, I think if it was me, I'd be like, I saw what happened to Jesus. I'm just going to kind of say, sorry, we won't do it again. But on the contrary... Peter and John see this as a moment to speak up. And then it says, full of the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it says in Acts chapter 4, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You know, in that moment where you'd expect them to be afraid for their lives, they they went the other extreme and they preached. 
They shared exactly what Jesus meant to them. They were like, let me tell you a little something about Jesus. So it's so important, I think, for us to, to have that aspect of our uniform as well, the, that we share. And let me tell you why it is that I think it's important that we share, that we tell others of, of Jesus and what he's done in our lives and why it's such a vital part of our uniform. You see, there's a verse a little bit earlier on, and it's before this particular story, but it's after Jesus has died and he's risen again. And in fact, it's the very beginning of Acts. And it's describing what happened when, when Jesus rose up to heaven and when he ascended to be back in heaven. And it was the last time the disciples ever saw him. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 1. And listen to what it says. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying to them, Guys, you are going to go out there and you're going to make it happen. But listen to what happens next. It says, After he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. A cloud hid him from their sight. The Bible says there that he was hidden from their sight. And did you know that still today God is hidden from many people's sight? There are many of our friends and neighbors and co-workers who, who it's like God is hidden from their sight. And maybe like me, you've wondered, God, why don't you just reveal yourself to them? God, I've, I've got this great plan, and you know, I know you created the universe and everything, but maybe you haven't thought of this yet, but you know, why not just write something in the sky? Come on, God, you could do that. I mean, then everyone would know that you're real. Everyone would know you exist. I mean, God, just, a, just hello. You know, just boom it from the skies. You know, I, I know, like I said, you're the creator and everything, but I think this would work. You should try it. God, you know, sometimes I'm talking to people and maybe they're not a Christ follower or maybe they don't even believe in Jesus at all. They don't believe in God. And and God, it would be really helpful if at those moments I could go, hey, I know it's really hard to believe at times and it's really difficult, but let me help you a bit. Let me just um, do this. And a swarm of locusts come into the room. God, that would be so helpful. Just locusts, you know, just, just, just show people that you are God. God, why don't, we, why don't you do that? Why don't you reveal yourself to us with these amazing... But as I thought about this, and as I, I you know, really kind of spent some time thinking and praying this through, I realized, you know what? God did do that. If you read back in the earlier part of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, there was a man by the name of Moses. And you know what? Obviously, life was different back then, but they were still people just like you and me. And it says that in that time of Moses, that Moses stood before Pharaoh and God sent locusts and he sent plagues and he sent all these amazing things to prove that he was God and to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. And finally, after loads of these plagues, Pharaoh finally says, okay, your people can go. And then these Israelites, they go up to the edge of the Red Sea and they can't cross it. So do you know what happens then? The Red Sea parts in front of them. And you've seen the movie. I think it's an old Charlton Hester movie, so you know exactly how it must have looked. And um, right there, the sea parts, and they walk through the parted sea. But you know what? If you continue to read the book of Exodus, you start to discover that these, these Israelites who had seen God revealed, they start complaining, and they start doubting, and they start to question whether God is who he said he is. And sadly, despite God making some pretty dramatic appearances, these manifestations of God failed to produce lasting faith or change within the people of this culture. 
So I think God's realized, you know, it rests on our shoulders. The uniform that we wear is what God has chosen to use to display himself to those around us. God is hidden from their sight, but he could be revealed to them through you and me because of the uniform that we wear. You see, every one of us has been given a platform on which to to stand. It could be our high school and our friends. It could be our workplace. It could be our neighborhood. It could be sitting on a a chair watching a a soccer game or a football game together. We've got these relationships and and the uniform we wear is an, an opportunity for us to share. And I love that I came across this video this week and there's um, uh, obviously a couple of teams getting together tonight. And this particular pastor, he's a pastor in Seattle. His name's Mark Driscoll. So he interviewed a few players and it probably doesn't surprise you who he's rooting for this evening. But uh, these are five players and coaches who, um, man, they are playing for the NFL. And yet still they realize this is a platform on which we can stand and share what Jesus means to us. Check out this particular video. Now, awesome. <laughs> now, obviously, I don't want to put any pressure on you. You know, if you're a Christ follower this morning and you're like, oh, man, I've got to root for the Seahawks now because there's like five Christians. That, I mean, I, that's the only video I can find. I'm sure there's some believers on the Broncos as well. And uh, so if you're cheering for them, don't feel like you're cheering for the enemy now. But, um, <laughs> but isn't that great? And, and I, talk, I remember talking about this uh, early on um, when, when the football season was still on and, you know, you guys were doing such a great job out there, winning each week. And I remember sharing about Tim Tebow and how I would got to hear him speak live. And he said, yeah, he goes, don't get me wrong, I love playing football, but however great it ever is, it's still never going to be as great in my life as Jesus. And what an amazing testimony to hear those players say, well, yeah, obviously we want to wear the ring. Obviously we want to win tonight, but... Man, we'd love to make sure that win or lose, people get to hear that we think Jesus is the greatest thing. And that, to me, defines the uniform that we can all choose to wear. We can be caring and we can be sharing. So let me finish off with this this last story, and then we're actually going to lead into communion this morning. We're going to take communion together as a church and celebrate what Jesus has done for all of us. You see, the truth is that God made a decision God made a decision not to use plagues or writing in the sky or parting the sea, you know, today. The the, the decision he's made is to use us, the God in us, to present him to those who don't know him. This means that we have to provide enough evidence in our lives that he is real to those from whom Jesus is hidden. There's an author, and his name's Philip Yancey. And he recalls a visit that he had to South Africa in a recent interview that I read with a lady by the name of Alison Quinn. She's from F- Prison Fellowship. And back in 2011, he, he interviewed her. And listen to the, the, the way he described that interview. He says, in South Africa, I met a woman named Joanna, an ordinary suburban woman. She and her husband had some education here in the United States. And then they went back to South Africa. They were involved then in the anti-apartheid movement, which was very successful. So she started praying. She knew that in the Lord's Prayer, there was a phrase, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So she would pray, Lord, show me a place where that's not true. Show me where your will is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we're supposed to be, as followers of you, part of the solution. Soon she found out that the most violent prison in South Africa, a prison by the name of Polesmore Prison, was just minutes from her home. 
That year, the prison recorded 279 acts of violence. That's almost one a day. It was run by gangs. You would actually get points by stabbing somebody in another gang. If you stabbed a warden, you would get a lot of points. And it was severely overcrowded, as so many prisons are. And she thought, you know what? That's not right. So she started going every day, 365 days. She didn't skip Christmas or Easter. Every day she went into that prison because she knew those those prisoners needed stability. They needed somebody who they could count on. The year after she started going, there weren't 279 acts of violence in the prison. There were two. It went from 279 to the year after when she started going down to two. The BBC, they sent a camera crew from London to figure out what had caused such a drastic change. When the author, Philip Yancey, when he finally met with Joanna and her husband, he said, I think that you've done, what you've done here is amazing, but tell me, what's happened here? These guys are murderers, they're rapists, they're monsters, and you just go in and act like it's a youth group, and you change the whole prison. What really happened in there? And I love this. It says, she looked at me kind of shocked that I would ask such a question. And she said this line that I've repeated many places in the world because it struck me so much. She said, well, of course, Philip, God was already present in Polsmore prison. We just had to make him visible. God was already there. We just chose to go in and make him visible. God is in the midst of our lives and our friends' lives, and our neighbors' lives, and those that don't know him and don't see him. But that doesn't mean that he's not there. It doesn't mean that he's not working in their lives. I've spoken to people who have come through this tornado, and and, and they may not be Christ followers, but I can see when they share their story, evidence of God weaving through their lives. He's at work in their lives, and, and I feel that the uniform that Jesus has asked me to wear is one that helps connect them and say, you know, God is at work in your life. I can see that that's God. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And whether it be caring or sharing, we can help make God visible. In Genesis 28, 16, there's a verse that says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. There are so many in our neighborhoods, in our society, who are asleep to the reality of God and will only be made aware of him by our intentionality and our involvement in their lives. Ordinary people like you and me, we're charged to make a loving God visible. That's the uniform that we've chosen to wear. And that's the identity that we can present to the people we meet. So when you watch those players tonight in that game and you see the uniforms they wear and you see, well, that defines him as a member of the Seahawks team. That defines him as a member of the Broncos. What defines me as a member of God's team, as a follower of Jesus? I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come forward at this time. You know, on a regular basis here at Connect Church, we take communion together. And for us as Christ followers, it's not only a uniform that we've chosen to wear and a lifestyle that we've chosen to to implement, but we take time on a regular basis to celebrate what purchased. This, This uniform, this wasn't a free uniform. This wasn't one that was handed out, you know, and we just we just picked up for free. It came at a price. And the amazing thing is this morning that that price for us it was free. There was no cost for us 
but there was a huge cost for Jesus. Because God wants to be in relationship with every one of us. But the wrong things that we do in our life, we call them sin sometimes. That separates man from God. So Jesus said, I can do something about that. It'll cost me a lot, but I'm willing to lay down my life so that that separation can be bridged. And we this morning can wear that uniform. We haven't got to pay for it. We haven't got to earn it. We haven't got to be good enough to wear it. You think of all the work those players tonight had to go through to earn the right to wear that uniform. All we had to do was ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, to say sorry for the wrong things that we've done. That earned us the right to wear the uniform of a Christ follower. And this morning we're going to show our thanks to God by remembering as we take communion. So the ushers now, they're going to pass out the elements. If you've been with us here before, you are uh, welcome to join us. If you're not comfortable taking communion, you can just let the tray go right on by. But if you're comfortable, I'd invite you to do it with us. Just take the bread and the wine for now and just hold on to them in your hands. We're actually going to sing a song that talks about the grace that God showed us. And while we're singing that, they'll pass those out. And then I'll come back and we'll all take communion together here this morning.